Second Peter chapter one, um, I believe, came to me in the right time when I needed it and when I needed to hear it. Uh, if anything, this has, uh, as I mentioned last Sunday, stabbed my heart more than pricked any, you know, more than more than pricked it. Um, and and with that process, as the Lord, you know, teaches you and dis- disciplines you, He heals you, and that's the beauty of it. Um, and, and it's, it's a joy, um, again, to just be um, able to partake in his word and to have access to it and to, to read and study it. Um, last week, we had uh, the joy of going through the first few verses of Second Peter chapter 1, um, and that was verses 1 to 4. Uh, and we were reminded of the liberating knowledge that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God has granted to us his divine power to those who have obtained faith in the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That this saving, living faith is the very same faith of that of Peter, Abraham, Paul, anyone in the kingdom of God. We have a faith of equal standing. We were able to look at the liberating truth of how we have God's divine power granted to us in all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not everything in life, but all things that pertain to life and godliness. I'm talking about God's unlimited, immeasurable, perfect, mighty power. The God of this universe, the God who created, holds, sustains all things. We are talking about God's eternal power here. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, to eternal life and a godly living, all of which is accessible through the knowledge of Him. We have to know God. We have to know his truths. We have to know his word. How else would any of us access his precious and very great promises? Faith, grace, peace, life, godliness, all come through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, who is the provider of all things. And as Christians, we tend to forget We tend to forget about the unlimited power that God has granted to us when it comes to life and godliness. We, as humans, are forgetful in nature. And Peter's will, his his main aim is to strive till he is dead to continue to cause us all to remember these truths. Now, these aren't new truths. These are the truths you have known and were established in. But now, remember. Always remember. Never forget. So today we're going to to move on to verses 5 to 11. And the topic, as mentioned, is the secret to continuing well. So I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. Not 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's look at verses 5 to 7. This is what it says. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue 
and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. We have to remember the first few words of this verse. For this very reason, make every effort. You see, these verses are based on what has been established in verses 3 and 4. It shows us what God has done for us. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You do not lack any resource. All things. For this very reason, strive to be godly. We work towards these qualities because God has already worked in us and continues to work in us. Some people think it's the other way around, but it's not. You know, that, that isn't the truth of the gospel. We do not work to attain life and godliness. Life and godliness is granted to us, and we work out what has worked in us. What does Paul say in Philippians 2 verse 13? For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And Peter is letting us know that God and his divine power is there for us. Be confident in that. And with that confidence, go and live a life worthy of his love towards us. Do we really understand what Peter is trying to tell us here? You can overcome anything that Satan, the world, and your own flesh throws at you. We are called to be overcomers by God. Each and every one of us, not a select few, all of us, we shouldn't be followers of Christ that are devoid of the power of God in our lives. Peter continues to let us know how we should be living our lives. There's faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly love, brotherly affection, and love. Eight of them in total. The very first one is faith. That is the foundation upon which everything else is based on. It is this faith that you furnish, you supplement, or, or add the rest, if I could say so. It has to start with faith. It begins with faith and ends in love. And Peter gives us the qualities that we need to grow in. And his call is to continually grow in them. It's not a one-time addition. We, we tend to have a wrong view of faith. You know, Peter says, add or, or furnish your faith. And we have a part to play in that, to play in our Christian life. We all think that the moment we have faith, the moment we put our trust in Christ, everything is accomplished. It's not a mystical view that we ought to have in such a way that our faith will automatically work in our life. No, that, that all you need to do is have faith in God and all is done. No, we are called to be pursuing these qualities. Never satisfied that we have reached. 
Now that you have obtained faith in Christ Jesus and are standing on it, now push and make every effort to add virtue, meaning moral excellence. And as you start standing in that, never be satisfied, but increase your knowledge of God and his promises. And as you start standing in that, do not be satisfied, but push for self-control and grow in self-control and conquer your passions. And as you continue standing on that, build your steadfastness. Learn to endure. And in that, let godliness, which is piety or devoutness, a love for God to flow from. And in that, make every effort to ignite your affection for the brothers and sisters in the family of God, for other believers. And through it all, grow in love towards all men. Push on is the call, a continuous effort. Do not give up. Do not give up. Continuously grow. And as you take faith as a foundation, you add virtue. And let's go through this which means, as I said, excellence of of character, a moral excellence. So we must not only believe, but we must also behave. The more we think about virtue, the more horrible and terrible immorality or wrongdoing will appear. The thought of lying or cheating on your taxes will cause you much discomfort. The thought of lusting after someone will cause you so much discomfort. The thought of being vengeful will be horrible in your mind. We must behave. So to faith, we add moral excellence or genuine goodness. Then you move on to knowledge. And Peter uses a different word for, from epignosis that was used earlier. The word used here is just gnosis, which means an understanding knowledge, practical wisdom. You can have all the Bible facts and have knowledge of the Word of God cover to cover, but it makes a difference when you practice it. You can know about the Sermon on the Mount. You can know about the parables. You can know about the growth of the church in Acts, but the knowledge you have of the Word of God must be applied practical wisdom then you move to self-control and this is pretty straightforward here you are called to control your passions rather than the other way around where you are controlled by them there are many in the faith that have drifted away following passions and desires that were not god honoring self-control and i admire our brother Viji here because He's always, self-control, beat my flesh, I must overcome this. Thumbs up to that. It it challenges me every day, but self-control, control your passions, reign in. And from there, we are called to add steadfastness, perseverance against all odds. We are called to endure. When you go through difficulties in life, be steadfast. Endure. Do not give up. You can endure Satan's attacks, the push from the world and the, and the flesh. Be courageous. As John MacArthur had stated, when your star can be the steady shining star rather than the fleeting brilliance of a comet, 
comet, then you've got the idea that never give in, that never give up persistence. Never give up. Be the steady, shining star. Persevere. Endure. And Peter moves then to godliness. Now the word here means piety, devoutness, an attitude of worship. A life of worship. Psalm 16 verse 8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. I have set the Lord always before me. Living a life where your life honors God. A life of worship. And as we are continuing in worship, we are called to have brotherly kindness. The word for that is Philadelphia. And what does that look like? What does brotherly affection look like? It's friendship. It's friendship. You know, be friends. Look around you. How many friends do you see in this church? Brotherly affection can be translated to being friends. We shouldn't just come to church and have a small group that we have brotherly affection towards. We are called to have brotherly affection to the whole church. Worse, if you come to church and have no friends here or have no friendships here, that's really worrying. We cannot come to church, sit here, hear a sermon, sing praises, and go home with no friendships or no friendships being built. We are called to have brotherly affection. And from this comes the next quality and the final one mentioned here. Love. Love. And the word used here is agape. The love that sacrifices. Sacrificing for the other. The highest kind of love available. The love that is seen by our actions. We find the most perfect expression of this love in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Did not Jesus himself say this? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Once this kind of love is added to our lives, no more thing remains to be added. The list of qualities that Peter has mentioned ends with love. Love caps them all up. And if, and if you forget these things, if you forget these qualities, the consequences are tragic. You see, Peter has called us to, to remember this and to grow and to continuously add progressively all these qualities mentioned. We do not stay in the same place or fall back in our walk. If you look back at the years, if not months, that have passed since you've known the Lord, and have not grown in these qualities, it must concern you. If you disobey and do not follow what has been stated here in verses 5 to 7 with diligence to bear fruit, you are in grave danger of drifting into peril. We must strive. We must make every effort. The effort you put towards 
Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love are not just nice-to-haves in life. They are the evidence of God's immeasurable power that has been granted to you by faith. Peter goes and sounds a warning for us, a stern warning, a warning that we must heed. And he says this, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it is possible to make a start in the Christian life, Christian life being the key word here, but then to become indifferent, careless, and nonchalant in using the means of grace and drift into destruction. See, 2 Peter 2 verse 20 states this, For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. We must understand this truth. If the, no, if the knowledge of God and His precious and very great promises do not spur us on to strive against the tides of life and indifference, then we will be fruitless and be barren. We will drift to our own destruction. And see, Peter shows us and illustrates to us what it looks like for a person who has stopped to make every effort. The person who lacks these qualities when called to grow and cultivate. And this is in 2 Peter 1 verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. You see, the issue with this person who does not strive towards all the fruit of faith is that he is blind. And he's blind in two directions. When he looks into the future, it's all a haze. He, and all of God's promises are covered up in a blur of worldly longing and passion and pursuits. I believe that is what nearsighted means. You see, um, one of my eye, eyes is, is nearsighted, the other is, is farsighted. If I close one eye, I can, I can see things clearly in the distance. If I close the other eyes, I can't see things clearly close by. It's, it's unique, it's a plus and minus in my lenses. You wear my glasses, you get a headache. It's not a crazy difference. But you see, nearsighted, if you look, is used to see what's around you. You cannot see what is far. You cannot see what's behind. So if you take the picture of you standing on a road, all you're aware of is what's here. And you look at the distance, and it's all a blur. It's hazy. And you look at the, the place where you came from, and it's still blurry and hazy. You see, I think this is what Peter is talking about, that you are so uh, nearsighted that you forget the forgiveness that God has granted you. And we, when you try to look into eternity future, 
it's still a blur because you're fogged up with the things that concern you in this worldly passion. You, you're just so distracted, it's all a haze. And you've completely forgive it, forgotten that you were forgiven. And all you probably see back in the, in the past is an empty prayer. You see, in other words, just as in verse 3, the power of godliness flows through to us, through the knowledge of God. So in verse 9, blindness to the past and future work of God blocks the power and leaves us limp, drifting into destruction. Now he goes on to make this point a lot more clear and states, that, you know, states to us what is really at stake with such blindness and powerlessness and fruitlessness. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. You will never fail. The dangers that Peter talks about in verse 8 and 9 as an incentive to advance in the fruits of faith is not the danger of just slipping into the kingdom with no rewards or just getting in. It is the immediate danger of not being saved at all, of not being part of the flock of God. You see, when Peter says, be all the more diligent, diligent to, to confirm your calling and election, he's trying to show us that our lack of diligence in the pursuit of these qualities may be a very good sign that we were never called or were never among the elect in the first place. Let's just look at the term election as mentioned this verse. You see, the entire world lies under the righteous judgment of God because of sin. That is reality. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. However, because of God's great mercy, he ordained that a people for his own be saved by his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. These people are his elect as mentioned here. The chosen whom he has predestined in his sovereignty to be confirmed or conformed to the image of his son. And if you remember, Paul explains this in Romans 8 verse 30. He says, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You see, this is truth. None of God's sheep will ever be lost. Ever. It is a truth. No one can snatch them from his hand. John 10 verse 28 says it. I gave them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. They are eternally secure. But from our side, from our perspective, the most fundamental question that of life that we got to answer is, am I among the elect who God has predestined to be like Christ and then calls and justifies and glorifies forever? If we are, God wants us to know that we are his. He wants us to be completely aware of this. He wants us to have a joyful assurance for it is out of this knowledge and assurance that flows this tremendous power for sacrificial service that gives him glory in all things. 
And therefore, Peter says, confirm your election. Make sure of it. How? By standing in your faith and pressing on to virtue, knowledge, you know, uh, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. John had stated in 1 John 3, verse 14, he says, listen, we know that we are passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. There are a num- uh, numerous references in the Word of God in, regarding, in regards to the, the assurance of salvation and how to know you are elect. There are qualities that are shown forth. There is a striving in the Christian life that displays this. The confirmation and evidence of your election is your progress in sanctification. There must be progress. There must be visible progress in our lives that flows from the power of God being worked in us. As our brother Paul states in Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Exercise. Show forth. Work out what God has worked in you, not the other way. You see, Romans 8 verse 29 says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God has called and predestined the elect to be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, the evidence of our election, the reassuring evidence is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. And so verses 10 and 11 conclude saying, listen, if you do these things, which is what we talked about, the qualities, if you do these things, you will never fail. You will never fall. And, and so there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Virtue and knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, Brotherly affection, love. These are not the wages that we pay to earn entrance into the eternal kingdom, but they are the necessary evidence that our trust in God's promise is genuine. And in that way, they are the confirmation of our call and election. Now see, I want to, you know, let's wrap this up to apply uh, this to ourselves. And it's, you know what, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? the points of verses to five, from verses 5 to 11, that we must, that we should, that we are called to earnestly confirm our call and election by making every effort to advance in the qualities of Christ. So if you want application, here's the application. Are you making every effort towards virtue or moral excellence? Are you making every effort to increase your knowledge of God, His character, His will, and His word? Are you making every effort to strengthen your power of self-control? 
Are you making every effort to enlarge your capacity for steadfastness? Are you making every effort to cultivate godliness, to develop a heart of worship for God? Are you making every effort to grow warm in your affections to your fellow believers? Are you making every effort to stir up love in your will for the person you dislike the most? Think of the one individual you dislike the most and make every effort to stir up a love for them. If these things are in you and increasing, you will not be fruitless. You will never stumble. You will enter the kingdom of Christ. This is one of God's precious and very great promises. However, brothers and sisters, if these things are not your earnest, true concern, then it is because you have shut your eyes to the marvelous beauty of God's promises and have turned your attention to other things and have forgotten of being forgiven and the great glories of eternity future. Therefore, the, the word of God warns us against being lazy in our faith, brothers and sisters, and, 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 and drifting away from Jesus Christ, our one and only hope. And the word of God spurs us to fight the good fight and take hold on eternal life. As Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy, right? To, and also to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and, and run with the uh, perseverance, the race before us, to advance and grow in all these qualities. See, there was a, uh, the, the newspaper copy editor... Robert Manry piloted the smallest boat ever to sail the Atlantic Ocean. In the voyage ab abroad, the uh, Tinkerbell was long and difficult. The small craft on a big ocean was so hard to see that he could not afford to sleep in the shipping lanes, lest his boat be run over by a large vessel. The rudder broke several times. He was, he was washed overboard often saved by the, the rope he had tied to himself and his 13-foot vessel. He thought of Uli tying himself up on the dock once he reached England and, and remove his, his rope, get a hotel room, and get some sleep. But the moment he reached, the moment he had reached Falmouth, England, there, a fleet of 300 small boats came out to greet him, now all blowing their horns in salute. 40,000 well-wishers lined the docks, cheering him on. What a welcome he received. Something like that awaits us. Something like that awaits the faithful Christian who has weathered life's storms and has remained true to the Savior. Through all their hardships and trials, they have continued to grow in Christ's likeness by adding to their faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. When these believers finally reach heaven's shore, they will be given an abundant entrance 
into the everlasting kingdom where they will come into the presence of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, O Lord God. Wow, your words is amazing. We thank you for these beautiful promises. And forgive us, O Lord, for our forgetfulness and our frailties and the distractions in life. Forgive us if we've forgotten that we are forgiven. Forgive us, O Lord, if we have forgotten the, the, the price that was paid. Father, we ask you this time that you would spur our hearts that if there's anything that we have gleaned that we would glean this for this very reason make every effort to grow and supplement our faith with all these qualities O Lord that your word has talked about we pray Father that we would remind each other that we would remember and never forget. These are not new truths. These are the truths that we were established in. And we pray that we would not forget. Spur our hearts to seriously understand the ramifications of not pursuing these qualities or having a desire of them. Father, we plead with you that you would help us understand that we have divine power available to us that we have the power of the Lord God Almighty the one who created the whole universe at our side to overcome all of these things that cause us to forget these qualities help us to be overcoming sons and daughters we have prayed this in the most precious and holy name of our Lord, our beloved, our Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son.